Hey everybody, uh, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, the podcast uh, where we watch movies about a guy talking about his own movies. My name's Ted. I'm Rose. Trev. Um, and today we have a special guest, full-time screenwriter, uh, on hiatus from Kino Lefter, uh, Abdul. Hello, hello. How's it going? Um, it's it's nice to guest on podcasts while I take like a, a work and health break from my own because it <laughs> fills the void uh, quite beautifully. <laughs> yeah, we're glad to have you on. Um, God, I'm I'm glad this movie was not funny because I like my whole core, like my I don't know, breathing muscles are sore because I had really bad allergies the other day and I like sneezed <laughs> oh, no. a bunch. Oh no! Um, well, yeah. Then this is a perfect movie to watch because yeah. I was stone faced throughout the entire thing. This was like, uh, in- a, this was a dark film, in my opinion. I don't know how you all felt, but I was disturbed by what we watched. It, it was incredibly dull to me. Just <laughs> yes. so pointless. Didn't need to exist. There's nothing novel or interesting about the production of this movie that needed to be captured. Um, I thought it was it was Faulkner-esque, actually. <laughs> oh God! Faulkner-esque. Uh, yes. Oh, I, that oh, pissed that me off. Oh, that was the best. Yeah, that was one of the greatest lines I've seen in like a, a monument to vanity ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it that part was where I had to pause and and rewind, and be like, <laughs> did I hear that right? Because obviously I was doing other things on my phone while watching this. Obviously, yeah. Um, I guess we should say, uh, what's the title of the movie that we watched? Magnum Dopus. Magnum, Magnum Dopus. Do- what a yeah. pun. What a beautiful play on <laughs> words. Who would have Jeez. ever thought of that? So I, yeah. I was looking up to see if the soundtrack, because I like to use songs from the soundtrack for these the intros and stuff. Um, and there's like a band called Magnum Dopus. There's like seven <laughs> albums titled Magnum Dopus. So not even original at all. Of course, the soundtrack was not on there, which was disappointing. But well, there's just a single piece of like stock music that plays over and over throughout this thing. Maddeningly, it, ha- yeah. it has the uh, it has the feel of something that was supposed to be like a five minute featurette. Like, oh yeah, it, yeah. but but it just keeps on going, and it's like it it the in the in that same like dumb little stock music loop just keeps playing over and over and it feels like it's never going to end it makes you feel insane it it's like something out of the 90s right like those 90s like making of documentaries that would play like yes. before after yeah. VHS tapes where it's just that same smoke <laughs> oh. effect too just keeps coming like that that stock right after effects smoke transition it that looks is so you know bad. yeah I think this might have been the only movie that we've watched so far where I had to take an extended break while I was really? watching it. See, I think so. I thought that you, Rose, were going to be talking about how nice Kevin was to everybody, how <laughs> no, complimentary he no. was. Like, oh, he's see, he's really such a nice guy. He treats everybody so well on the set, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I do have no, one nice thing to say it. because this, I want to get oh, it out of the way early. It. Um one nice thing to say. Oh, we should mention uh, we watched Magnum Dopus, the making of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, <laughs> the one nice thing I will say is that for certain people, which it seems like Kevin has a lot of on staff, he's a pretty good boss because, right, he doesn't know anything, but he knows that. So he doesn't like he just lets you do your job. He doesn't get in the way. He doesn't help you, but he just he lets you do your job. <laughs> and that is something that like 
I want and every job I've ever had is just like, let me do it. I usually know what I'm doing. But he never stops making speeches. That would start <laughs> oh to drive me insane. God. Of course. Yeah. Like, it's like on the surface, he's like this very like nice, uh, congenial sort of boss. But he's like constantly making these self-aggrandizing speeches, making a big show <laughs> out of how grateful he is to everybody working for him. <laughs> the weirdest one was when he made this big speech apologizing to Jason Mewes for maybe being mean to him in the past, like vaguely referencing that Weird. he might have been mean to him in the past. And he has to like make this big emotional apology in front of the entire crew. It's such a weird. He's like fucking Michael Scott. It's like yes. work, it's like being <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. freaking office. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where like, and and I think about this all the time. Like I thought about this the whole time while watching it. Where like, you know, before I before I like you know, went down my current career path. I was an electrician on film sets and worked on like, you know, a couple of big shows and a couple of big TV shows. Um, and, you know, sometimes your director is like tyrannical or whatever. And sometimes they're, you know, they're nice. They respect you. They respect your distance. They just let you do the job. And then, you know, at the end of a location, you know, they'll stop and be like, no, thanks everyone. You're doing a great job. But Imagine being the guy who has to, you know, load up, you know, 55 C stands and 100 miles of cable um, at the end of that day. And then, like, the director stops and makes you come listen to him <laughs> talk right. about, like, yeah. Yeah, just like, it's just like me... at five in the morning, too. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I was thinking about that when he was making some big end of day speech where he's like, everybody, you can go home and you can party and get drunk and blah, blah. blah. And I'm thinking, like, there's probably a bunch of people who still have to work for like hours. <laughs> After you're done with oh, that 100%. speech, yeah. and you're and you're talking like everyone's about to just leave and go party, but it's yeah. like that's you and your friends are gonna do that, and you get most to leave. of the crew still has work to do. I, I will <laughs> say it it is a sign of like a pretty efficiently run set, which you attribute to his like production people rather than him. Uh, yes. That like he has the time to make these speeches, <laughs> like you know they're on schedule at least, which is right, which is good uh, because you bet someone's going to pull him aside you can't do that right now we're like you know four we're four setups behind or whatever <laughs> uh, honestly i think basically the reason this whole uh behind the scenes documentary exists is to give kevin like a sort of busy box to play with yes so that the actual crew can get any fucking work done because he's <laughs> addicted to fucking talking constantly talking everybody's ear off so they need this little like side a documentary crew to be like Kevin just go talk to go talk to the camera for a while here's a microphone I know you love talking to a camera just do that for a while while we get everything set up we're busy over here it's it's weird it's funny to see that Kevin Smith is basically a jobs creation program at this point oh yeah for sure it, sh it should be a publicly funded production that's what it yeah. should be nationalized Smodco yeah I really need to say that I think no matter what happened in this documentary, maybe it could have won me over, but I was so soured on it as soon as it started. Yeah, me too. the way that it opens, yes. for the folks at home, the way that it opens is uh, by Kevin Smith 
totally throwing Jason Mewes under the bus by bringing up his like addiction issues and talking about how they were uh, fucking with production and how uh, Kevin Smith basically didn't trust him to be in a movie for a while. Yes. And I was like, okay, I was like, this is inappropriate. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. hear this. Okay. Kevin, and it doesn't come up out. in the rest of the movie. No. So why say it? Why start it, off with it? What an opening. It's so weird. It, it, it's it's so inappropriate to bring that up right at the start without <laughs> him there. Like, yeah. if they were re- really trying to make a serious documentary that, like, maybe went into uh, uh, Jason Muse's inner world a little bit, mm-hmm. then maybe midway through the movie you could have them together on camera mm. kind of talking about uh, their problems and his addiction and stuff. But no, it's just Kevin casually introducing the thing like, oh yeah, he was, years and years he was asking me to make this movie, but I had all these trust issues because <laughs> of his addiction. And it's like, dude, yeah. what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> And then there was, uh, just to stay on uh, with this relationship and how weird it was, this was one of the aspects that this documentary kind of soured me on, uh, was this is probably the the worst uh, I've seen Kevin and, and Jason Muse together. Like, out of all the yeah. stuff that we've watched, this is the one where I was like, oh, oh, I don't really like these guys together. Like, there's something off here. Um, the part that made me really uncomfortable was near the end, when Kevin uh, started doing, like, a weird joke, not joke, angry thing at Jason Muse about him uh, distracting the cameraman so he couldn't film his speech or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's like, we... That we, was so yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> and he was giving his daughter shit about crying yeah. also. Like, at the same weird. time, like, jokingly. That was really weird. When they I were thought. doing... When they were doing the dad guy bit where, you know, Jason was like, you know, I really... I'm what was oh, it? He's like gross. talking about the the guys who's going to come date his daughter and how he's oh, going to chase yeah. them off. And Kevin's like, yeah, you know, learn how to use a gun. You're like, come on, guys. Like it's first of all, his daughter's yeah. like three years old. It's yeah. gross to even be talking about oh. that. And of course, he puts it in the movie later on with Ben. Oh shit, he does. That's true. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Oh, hap- what's with Ben? So later on in the movie, he has Ben talking to Ben, well, Holden's daughter, saying, like, you got to stay away from guys like that, talking about Jay and Silent Bob. Uh. And it's so clear, the little girl's uncomfortable, Ben is uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, the little girl doesn't really understand that she's in a movie or know what's going on. And Ben Affleck is pointing at her dad (laughs) and saying (laughs) that these are the these are the guys you want to stay away from when you're older. And she's like confused. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's her actual dad. She doesn't know what a movie is like. Stay away from one of those. (laughs) Yeah. Very confusing, I think, for a three year old girl. Uh, I think the most bold creative choice in this documentary is that the director takes, you know, you could say a uh, a Malick-like approach uh, to life, <laughs> a Herzog-like approach to life of letting the camera linger for far longer <laughs> than any other director <laughs> would let it go Ooh. and just absorbing um, like every second of these people together. I ha- I've been trying to be p- more professional on the pod, so I'm taking more notes and i i wrote down here um that i was super uncomfortable with kevin and his wife flirting uh with uh with jay there and and the 
weirdness. And then I wrote yes. that um, I left to use the bathroom and I came back and it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest scene. It, it just, it didn't end. It didn't seem like his wife was bothered by it, but like I no, was bothered no. by it. I just no, found it weird. <laughs> if it's like horrifying. If you're Kevin's wife, you've been living with that for 20 years yeah. and you have to be sort of resigned to it. <laughs> That's the expectation of being like in Kevin Smith's life is you really don't have an expectation of privacy, right? Like mm. he's going to talk he's going to talk about every detail of your relationship on his podcast. He's going to film, you know, your private moments. Like the only thing we're missing at this point is like a Kevin Smith sex tape, right? Like Ugh, we know yeah. everything about him. I I remember cuz I grew up on like Smodcast or whatever. That was my introduction to podcasts, which is, you know, really unfortunate. But, um, like, he has one episode where he just talked about, like, sadly jerking off on his wife's leg as they got ready for, you know, a function or something like that. Like, he was horny, but she needed to get ready, so he just... And I'm like, why would you tell us the story? Yeah, I mean, like, it's like, oh, it's because that's how he... He's built his entire self-image on is not having an expectation of privacy. So no one else, no one else can, right? It reminds me a lot of uh, vloggers, but uh, Kevin has been able to do so much more just because of his resources. Like, it is definitely um, a parasocial thing that's going on uh, in a similar way to, like, when uh, vloggers film their entire family and, like, film their kids growing up and stuff like that. It's it's a bizarre breach of uh, privacy for, like, everyone involved. It, uh, Abdul, yep. what what's your uh, history with Kevin Smith? Oh yeah, it sucks because like okay, so you know I I went to film school, I I you know glomped around the you know Toronto film scene for a while as an electrician, like moved to Edmonton, make educational videos, and like you know transitioning into screenwriting full time, um, and I I have to thank kevin smith for all of that <laughs> you know what i mean which is like yeah. the most wow disappointing thing about this because it's like you know when you're a 15 year old kid in the suburbs of fucking mississauga ontario uh you know right outside toronto or whatever you you read about like two specific film directors robert rodriguez yes. right rebel yes. without a crew nine thousand dollar action movie and Kevin Smith, who just, you know, picked up a camera one day and made a movie with his friends. It's like, oh, shit, I can do this. You know what oh I mean? That's like where <laughs> so much of the worship of Kevin Smith like comes from, I think, is oh, like yeah. just this guy who's, you know, a loser like you <laughs> in the suburbs of somewhere, you know, could just, just made a movie and made it successful. And you can, too. And like, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to have like a degree of success in this industry. And like, I it makes me so sad watching this now because like. You know, I, even hearing you guys on the on the podcast about like you know how critical you are of Kevin Smith, which is something I completely agree with. But it's always like <laughs> I can't hate him. I want to hate him. Yeah, you know I mean, but like I can't because I'm like, damn, dude, you you taught me everything I know to like in a weird way. Yeah, I struggle with that a lot, and I don't. I have no like emotional attachment or like childhood attachment to Kevin Smith. So like, <laughs> I do get why people like him and even in this movie which like to me comes off as like so self-centered and so about like making kevin feel good i can see somebody who likes kevin watching this and be like wow he's such a good guy 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, it's geared it's geared towards that. What's really interesting to me is how uh in all the uh interviews with the actors who are on set for like a day, they always talk about how great a guy Kevin is, what a great experience it was working with him, how great the vibe is on the set. And I can see how you it makes sense that you would feel that way if you show up to a set for a day. The guy yeah. makes like a nice speech to the crew and it's like, man, this is a great guy. He's taking care of everyone. But for the people working for him on set every single day, I, I feel like it's got to be like, oh, another fucking speech. When is this going to be over? I've got work to do. <laughs> Wrap it up already. I can explain this one. Um, all those actors, especially not the ones who aren't Ben Affleck, right? Like, think about what the SAG after a rate is for one day of work, and then think about the last time you saw any of them in another movie. Ah, uh, true. Right. True. Uh, the part that also made me feel, like, very sour at the beginning and kind of set the tone was seeing Kevin... I don't know if I missed a bit of context for this, but from what I saw, it seemed like uh, he was just taking photos with, like, mostly the crew... And like people in the movie or something. Did I misread that? Was he at a convention or was that just people that were working on the movie? What I got from it, which admittedly I wasn't sure about, is that Chronic Con is real. And he showed up there and be like, hey, I'm going to shoot the movie here. Okay, because I was confused. No, no, they they staged Chronic Con, but I think they put out a a call for people for actual fans to be to show up in cosplay to like be extras. So they kind of, like, created a little fake convention with real people for the purpose of the movie. This was towards the end of the movie, so I sort of checked out. uh, (laughs) To me, there was something that was just so gross about watching Kevin Smith take smiling photo after photo after photo. And the way they just, like, speed it up and show you basically him doing it for everyone. And, just for like uh, 20 minutes or something. Uh, and, and again, it's like, you know, it's like an Adam Curtis documentary or something. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's playing, you know, I felt like I should have been listening to um, some, uh, oh, oh, oh my God, what do you call it? Like one of Trick's Point Never watching it uh, <laughs> and just like feeling my soul decay watching Kevin's fake smile as it's captured over and over and over again by these people that are going to hold this, like treasure this forever. And you're watching it just go by and like a blink of an eye. I, I, <clears throat> I felt my, um, my soul crushed <laughs> watching, watching that sequence. So um, kudos to the director. That's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. And just, just think about like how much money went into, you know, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, oh but God. then how much money went into this documentary. Like it was clearly made semi-professionally right like he had to go out with the idea of like i'm gonna make a documentary about the making of this Uh movie and i'm gonna hire you know three guys to to run around with a camera and do it um and just like you know to to look at the what's going on on screen be like this is millions of dollars going towards making jay and silent bob reboot (laughs) (laughs) you know like it it is like deeply upsetting like when you think about it from the perspective of like this is these are opportunities that should be afforded to anyone but kevin smith yeah yeah he just needs to have a camera on him at all times Mm -hmm. like that's what's underscoring the the scene rose was uh, talking about earlier where he's like kind of chastising jay for taking his camera like he was making this big speech 
about it because it was a uh, a rap on the on the girls and uh he so he had some big speech that apparently made Harley Quinn cry but uh Jay Jason had stolen his camera yeah. and Kevin was annoyed he was like that's my camera and we see so many it's speeches. Jason Mew's daughter and we see so many speeches oh, yeah, throughout yeah, the yeah. film i felt it's, ridiculous it's li- Legally and ostensibly, it is uh, Kevin's daughter, but but yes, I I, I agree with you, <laughs> uh, Abdul. I don't know how caught up you are uh, on the podcast, but we are all uh, Harley Quinn Smith truthers that she is actually the child of Jason Muse. I'm agnostic I'm, on this. There were a couple of moments in in here that felt like there was a point where Jason was talking about Harley in a way where he's like very proud of her and it's like yeah you know she's kevin's daughter but she's playing my daughter and it's like she's my daughter but she's kevin's daughter you know yeah and it's gonna slip out at one point you know for a fact that you know there's gonna be some sort of long uh you know podcast or instagram post where kevin smith comes forward with the truth and he's gonna be crying um you know and, and all like it's just gonna be like you know cry for help um Sorry to cut you off. I just realized, like, one of the. Th- do you guys know who Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight is? Oh, I sure do. Oh, unfortunately, yes. Kevin Smith I walked do, so Boogie not. could run. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, that's I, disgusting I, in my head. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he's like a. He's like oh, a, a YouTuber man. who who just broadcasts his private life. Looks a lot like Kevin Smith in in a couple of you know oh, yeah. few ways. His original character was Francis, who's this like oh, fat oh, incel guy who got really mad. Giving me bad flashbacks. Like, there's no way to describe it that isn't offensive to some yeah. person. <laughs> you, you, you can, yeah, you can <laughs> tell me about it off pod. I, I think yeah. I get the idea though. <laughs> but that is very dark knowledge, which I thought like we've been doing. This is what the twenty fourth episode. I, I thought that like the dark knowledge around Kevin Smith had sort of petered out. Like I wouldn't have to hear new things that I hated, but thanks. Uh, thanks. Apple for, <laughs> yeah. Uh, telling me that that's really great. <laughs> there was also another moment just, uh, where Harley, I think was posing for a picture with her arm around Kevin and Jason and saying something like, Oh, it's like, it's my dad's like, you know, like my real dad and my movie dad. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like they're both your dad. Right. <laughs> There were uh, a couple things that stood out to me about Kevin's directing specifically in this film, because what I did find interesting about this, and not in a good way, really, um, is that the Clerks documentary that we watched, of course, it's all being told retrospectively. So it's like all people describing what, uh, mm-hmm. what the set was like. But this time we actually get to see uh, what it's like. And... Um, for one thing, uh, the main line that stuck with me was Fred Armisen saying, uh, Kevin really hangs out, you know? Kevin's just, uh, he's just around a lot. <laughs> I thought was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Just around with his, his camera crew. And um, a part that this just like personally annoyed me. You know, I, you know, I've never made a clerks, so, you know, Kevin's more experienced, but someone says that Kevin uh, does line readings when he's directing, which is a very, uh, for the viewers at home, uh, line readings are a very, a 
obnoxious way of directing where you big no no where you actually say how you want the line to be said and then get the actor to like basically impersonate what you're doing it's a really bad way to direct people because they come out sounding really unnatural and uncomfortable because they're not talking like they talk and when i heard that i was like of fucking course <laughs> of, that's of course but it that's makes why sense. yeah that makes total it, sense it makes perfect sense because like the whole time he's referring to them as his toys yeah oh that was weird like, the whole too. time it's so creepy oh. Very creepy documentary. I didn't like this. <laughs> Very yeah, dark. Yeah, he wants to pull out the toys again, and he's talking about his fucking friends. Yeah. Imagine if you refer to your friends as toys. <laughs> yeah, and he's doing that in the context of talking about how proud he is of like working with his daughter, and it's like he's Ooh. getting to put his daughter in the toy box and make her Whoa. one of the toys. Like that's not exactly how he says it, but it's like that's kind of like what he's getting at. I no, kind of. Yeah, he does talk about how like he's bringing his daughter to his old toy box and. Bring out the old toys, like uh, you know. But yeah, well, yeah. He he makes it sound like they're playing with the toys yeah. together. But in this, isn't she actually one of I the mean, toys really, in this? Co- it's not like she's the co-director. That's true. That's very true. Um, what did you What did you think of seeing <laughs> all these char- all these characters that we saw in the Clerks documentary come back now? Because of course we already saw the other people come back that were in the movie, but now we're going to see the behind the scenes. Uh, so one thing is that I feel like Kevin's real talent is that somehow he attracts people who are like not bad at their jobs despite working with Kevin, like Ben Affleck and Jason Lee uh, and Jason Muse and other, you know, the, the people on the crew. Like how does he get to work with these people who are it's so called a good. casting director, I believe. <laughs> a very good casting director. <laughs> I, I don't think that has anything to do with his innate talents. Even in the beginning, because it was like Jason Lee's first movie, and I, I think it was Ben Affleck's first movie. It was his first starring starring role was oh, in okay. Chasing Amy. But ben Affleck had been working. He was in Dazed and Confused. Even That's behind right. the camera, like not this movie, but he had James Laxton shoot Tusk and Yoga Hosers. James Laxton was a cinematographer for Moonlight, yeah. and, right. Beale St- and if Beale Street could <laughs> oh talk, but he shot Yoga Hosers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like he has a, a really weird knack for for keeping people and maybe Bruce Willis might be the only person who saw through Kevin Smith's, you know, charade, <laughs> right? I think he doesn't really like demand too much of people. Yeah. Like he makes it pretty easy, like especially for actors, like he he wants all these people to come in and do cameos. They only have to shoot for a day or like half a day. You know, it's it's not it, it's it's pretty pretty easy to do and Kevin is this he seems like a very nice guy so it's like yeah why not oh man when jason lee came walking onto the set uh saying uh oh i think i i think the line was this unfunny i think he said i love the smell of con commerce in the morning i I thought it was converse Converse in the morning shoes Converse. But I, I didn't understand. I heard. It. I heard. I heard. Commerce yeah, too. Either way, awful. Barely a joke. Um, and yeah. he comes in and does that, and people hoot and holler like it's friggin' Tom Cruise, but it's actually uh, a lesser Scientology member, uh, Jason Lee. <laughs> he's 
Is well, Jason he... Lee a Scientologist? Yeah, I don't know if he still is, but he was for a while. I think so. Yeah, he definitely was at some point. I'm not um, really going to blame a guy like Jason Lee for getting conned into being a Scientologist. <laughs> I don't. I feel like they just get blackmailed. He might be one of the ones where like his parents were already into it. I don't, oh. I don't know. I don't know his whole story. But um yeah, he was the guest of honor that day. Yeah, he was like yeah. the big the big star on the set for that day of shooting. Yeah. So yeah, of course everyone's going to kiss his ass people and were, laugh at his people jokes. People were talking about how funny the, you know, the chocolate pretzel bit was, you know. Ugh. Uh, oh god. This is great. Everyone was very excited to see their favorite character, uh Brody. I do I do sort of like understand with the actors i think more than the crew because like if you're if you're acting in something like it's already a pretty like vain profession right so you're just like telling yourself this is good until you believe it is right you've you've done this for years you've been one of kevin smith's toys for so many years that you're just you know Mm. gonna say anything especially since it's like your once a year guaranteed paycheck is you know a speaking role in a kevin smith movie the Fred Armisen bit where he's like praising him and then he's like, and this is what I would say if like it wasn't bad. And he goes on this thing about how like the energy, like the tension we could feed off of it. It's just like it fell so, so flat to me. It's like, why say that? And then if he said that, why keep it in the movie? It was like the most obvious like, oh, we should cut that of all time. And it was just there to make me feel uncomfortable. there was so much that should have been cut from this movie he's just a comedian and he's like uh and he's on like a set that feels very relaxed and probably easy for him to work on so he's just doing bits you know it's like it's what he does yeah, i think from what we see yeah. like the, the best thing i can say is that i i think i definitely get it with the act like you said i think i definitely get it with the actors at least because it seems like kevin smith runs a very chill set where everyone gets paid and yeah. things wrap up on time and he uh you know he likes to blow smoke up people's asses certainly for the big time actors showing up to do a cameo it's definitely a, a great atmosphere. i think it's probably similar to like you know when uh like when adam sandler does a movie and casts a bunch of his friends <laughs> in it um but but adam sandler is running honestly higher level productions than kevin smith is so yeah <laughs> i do like the the typical protocol for a film set when you know your guest actor or any actor finishes up it's just you know your director comes out takes him out says you know that's a wrap on jim and everyone you know politely claps mm-hmm. and then goes back to their their work right yeah. um if if every time a speaking role wrapped up, the director came out and gave a heartfelt twenty minute you know speech where they started crying, you oh, know, could you imagine oh. like could you imagine two guys on the crew just smoking by the truck, uh, you know, just trying to make sense of it all? That's why the shooting days were fourteen hours, is because like more than half of it was speeches. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're banking on the overtime. That's what they're doing. They're like, Kevin, you got to make more speeches. And <laughs> you go another 15 Kevin, minutes. Kevin, we love the speeches. Man. Yeah, it's, it's time and when, a half now. Yeah. When they were doing the scene with Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams, he did this whole speech introducing them individually as if he was at like a fucking award show yeah. or something. As if he was at Chronicon. I swear there were like 10 people in that room. <laughs> it's like, who are you... What do you, what is this speech for? You're all you can all just interact like humans. You're the only ones here. Like why do you need to make this big speech like there's an audience? You're introducing your oh. si- talking about how important each of them were to like his career and stuff. 
And it's just like, yeah, dude, we know. We're the we're like there's like five of us here. We're your friends. Why are you doing this? Holy shit, the Tommy Chong bit where he oh, introduces Tommy man. Chong and then in front of weird. Tommy Chong tells everyone Hey, you know, we got this old guy on set. He's going to be slow. We're going to have to take it easy. Like, watch where you run. This man is a is a frail baby. It's like, why would you say what that in front of someone? He didn't even have to do anything physical. He just kind of stood there and said a line. Like, what was the... I think that what Kevin is doing is uh, communicating through the sacred art of uh, Catholic passive aggression. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, you see that reach its peak at the end when he's joke scolding uh, Jason Mewes for uh, you know uh, stealing the camera from him. But uh, <laughs> even in moments like that, like that's Kevin's version of humor is just calling uh, this uh, legendary uh, actor like this uh, a weak old frail man <laughs> who could fall apart at any second. <laughs> so I sort of misspoke in the beginning. I did laugh once during this movie, um, and it's when Kevin is talking about when they're shooting that big, um, big emotional scene in the movie. Um, he says something to the effect. I, I love laughing, don't get me wrong, but to feel shit, that's everything. Yeah. And then he talks for a little bit, and he goes, like, like the Avengers. Yes. And I'm like, hold on, yes. what? What's up? Yes. The Avengers? All up, yeah. His go-to example of an emotional movie is the fucking Avengers. Oh like, the, well, and this yeah. is a guy that like professes to have a love for film that existed before Marvel did. So like, there were other movies that he could have said, and he goes Avengers. It's insane to me. But Kevin also hates Paul Thomas Anderson. Like he thinks he had famously yeah. went on the record saying. You know, Magnolia was a trash movie that made what? him feel nothing. So, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't but know that. that. That was back when he felt like he still had some clout as, like, an yeah. indie filmmaker and could get away with uh, saying stuff like that. He right. would never, like, do that now. Like, be like, oh, the master was shit or whatever. Like, he wouldn't even, like, comment on anything like that. He would pretend to have not have heard of it. Or if asked about it, he would just be like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, he's a great director. I wish I, I mean, uh, what do I know? I'm just a stoner <laughs> movie guy. That, <laughs> that reminds me of a part that was almost just like that, that I really enjoyed, where someone brought up Tarantino around Kevin Smith, which got me so excited. Um, Kevin is uh, in, the, in the middle of another passive-aggressive moment where someone's talking about yes. that there's like, all these copies of him around and laughing about it. And he seems to be, he's joking around with it being like, you know, this is just like, we just did this for budget reasons or whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not a narcissist, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Kevin brings up Tarantino as being like this self-referential guy. And then someone's like, Tarantino never made like a room full of hundred, a hundred copies of himself. And then Kevin Smith is uh, like, well, well, he's still got uh, another movie in him. He's not done yet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your Kevin impression is so good. It comes up because he's trying to neg his daughter again. Oh, is that what it is? Because she was in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait, was she? That's and, right. Like, right, yeah, she was. Oh, she was, right, she was the Manson girl. Yeah, she made some joke at his expense, and he's like, hey, we can't all be in the new Tarantino movie. Oh, that's what it like, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a bit confused in my head, but um, I just really remembered... Uh, <laughs> Him, him bringing up the Tarantino films and just thinking to myself again, like, these two guys who started at 
kind of the same place around the same time and look at where they are now tarantino's off making once upon a time in hollywood and uh kevin smith is making jay and silent bob reboot um there was i remember like on the kevin smith podcast he he would talk often about like how him tarantino um who's the guy who directed like baby driver why am i blanking edgar on wright. this edgar, edgar wright. wright um Eli and Eli Roth and Robert Rodriguez like used to play poker like on like a a biweekly basis or whatever and I always like oh god I always remember like <laughs> that sounds hearing... like a nightmare yeah and, and I always remember hearing that thinking man Eli Roth must have felt like the odd man out and, like I think the the further I get away from that anecdote the more I realize Kevin Smith was definitely the odd man out yeah honestly yeah. You know, just trying to please all these people feeling inferior you know what uh-huh. I mean like his not able to talk about himself quite as much. <laughs> I did just realize I do have a I have a one degree removed connection to Kevin Smith because someone to further the the film school legend, someone I went to school with made a film called The Dirties, which um, full disclosure sucks, and the person who made it sucks. Um, but the film got picked up by Kevin Smith and was the mm-hmm. first movie released not Kevin Smith through Smodcast Pictures. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, wow. And, and that guy was like a year ahead of me in film school or whatever. But like, if, if you ever do an episode on oh, that, I'd love to come we back. might have to. Because if you watch that oh, movie. sure. Yeah, if you watch The Dirties, you'll understand, I think, what Kevin Smith thinks is like a serious film. It's about it's about kids who are obsessed with movies who do a school shooting. No. Oh, no. Okay. And, oh, and Dude. it is not good. <laughs> I can't imagine. Rose, you flagged this moment on Twitter, but I can't let yeah. it go unmentioned. <laughs> the When Kevin is giving the International Women's Day speech while they're filming the Klan scene. <laughs> An amazing <laughs> image. And he has, he has the Klan hood on. There are a bunch of actors in Klan robes standing around him. And then when he salutes the women, they cut to the four female actors in the movie and they're all tied up. (laughs) Oh my God. It's unintentionally a funnier gag than anything in the actual movie that he made. Go check my my Twitter uh, because I was was sharing that around. I thought it was so fun. We can link that in the notes. That's the tweet from today. You screenshotted it perfectly. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like a moment from, you know, like 30 Rock or Always Sunny or or something. It's like you couldn't, like you almost couldn't write that. It's such a good gag. And Kevin is oblivious to it. It it reminded me of like Borat. One one of his producers, like after his speech, like looks at the camera and they're like, "Oh, the hat, it's out of context." Like they can see that it's funny, but Kevin doesn't even like realize like what he's doing. We should mention Kevin is wearing a clan outfit. Yeah. Yes. He's wearing the robes. <laughs> this is this is the scene where Silent Bob infiltrates yeah. the clan and does the Glen Gary speech. A, a clan of the Klu Klux variety <laughs> is what right. we're talking about here. <laughs> And yeah, I think so, you yes. all know which clan we mean. It's <laughs> you know the, the it's clan. the clan. It's the big one, folks. Probably the most famous clan that I know. I mean, how did again? How does Kevin just like not have awareness of these things? You get these amazing shots of Kevin wearing uh, a clansman's robe and also like being surrounded by a crowd of clansmen. And I just I have to bring up that one of the girls that's tied up. 
is black and we brought that up in the yes. review as well that like in the review of the film i found that to be uncomfortable like i didn't think kevin should Extremely. be using that imagery um but then seeing the behind the scenes of it and actually seeing that girl fucking tied up there while kevin is talking about international women's day i mean oh my God. amazing a work you gotta feel bad for her like you have to feel yeah. so bad for her because she's like obviously an actress trying to make it she's got a camera on her and she's not going to say anything that's the thing right none of these people are going to say anything bad about kevin smith when it's in their contract that they have to do like 20 minutes of an interview for this dumb fucking documentary right like yeah like none well, of them are you, going to be like i feel uncomfortable being like playing a, a person in a hijab named jihad right like yeah oh, i know yeah, I forgot yeah. about that too i pushed so much of this movie out of Ooh, my mind. it was bad i um. definitely i definitely couldn't forget honestly i know i said at the time that it's my favorite kevin smith movie and that might still be true but i definitely like it less after watching this. Uh, watching uh, watching behind the scenes i remembered so so much stuff that I had blocked out and um yeah I had forgotten a lot of it I definitely didn't forget that her name was Jihad for that uh, just for like an awful joke for no reason and I mean he couldn't even cast a fucking Muslim for it that's that pissed me off I'm like you oh, had of course oh you could have done it but no you cast you cast a Hindu actress to play a Muslim named Jihad oh, no. I hate this yeah, and like Christ. the joke in the movie when they reveal her name is like they're showing that Jay is is like Islamophobic or whatever, and then but she's like, oh, actually my name's Jihad, and it's like what? Because it's like that's what a racist might like. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's I don't get it. <laughs> I want to talk about because I think this is a a key point of of discussion for deciding how you feel about this documentary. How did you feel about the sheer amount of crying Kevin Smith footage? Oh my God. <laughs> that we get. You truly love to see it. Not a single person in the world I hate to watch cry more. <laughs> it was Kevin painful. Smith. Wait till you I've see Boogie2988. So Wait till you see Boogie2988 cry. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just that I have a, unfortunately, a deeper connection <laughs> with Kevin because of this fucking podcast that we decided to do. His big closing speech, his big wrap up to the whole thing, just talking to the camera and crying and like gruffly talking through the crying is so fucking painful to watch. And I was so ready for this thing to be over because it was just dull and plodding along yeah. and it just going so from like, long. just going from like, oh, because it's going from one Kevin speech <laughs> to the next, to the next. And then finally, at the very end, we get this like six minute long, weepy speech. And it's just awful to hear him do this like, uh, like the movie uh, like he just it's it's oh, full sobbing and, and and <laughs> i and i'll say you know um i'm all for men expressing their emotions but kevin you know dial it back a few notches buddy because uh, uh <laughs> the way he cries isn't natural it's fucked up um, i i probably would have treated it more seriously if we didn't just get a scene before that where he says that uh he cries at uh like all the marvel movies <laughs> oh god yeah. i find it interesting that you know post heart attack he's talking he's kvetching about like this is the movie i really wanted to make like you know i had my heart attack and and i realized i needed to make this now, a year to the day of my heart attack 
we were rolling on Jay and Silent Bob reboot, right? He mm-hmm. opens the movie with that. And I'm like, yes, dude, like the people who have this kind of heart attack make it like like half of them only live for like five years more right like and this is the movie you wanted to make (laughs) i mean like this is the the fucking brave thing you wanted to do like i don't like red state or tusk but they're interesting conceptually no no i i disagree (laughs) i think that he did the right thing uh I, th- this, this movie, and I already went into an episode about it, but <laughs> Kevin, Kevin just going back to the well and repeating his same shitty jokes and not trying to do anything new was like a breath of fresh air after <laughs> sitting through all of those, yes. <laughs> his bad, ill-fated attempts at horror movies and other shit. I'm like, you know what? This is fine. This is, it's not good. There's nothing good about this movie, but it's bearable. To me. So one of my one of my favorite insights that we've had uh, on the pod was from Vera Drew, good friend of the pod, where she said that like Kevin has tried to make things interesting, but he always gets too nervous and like just goes back to his old shit. Like in the second half of Tusk is the most perfect he, example. He doesn't he doesn't believe in himself. Exactly. That's what and I think Vera said. this movie is actually like sort of a Zen acceptance of that, where he's yes. like, Ooh, I know that I can't, I cannot make myself. <laughs> make something new so i just have to keep doing my own shit now this remains to be seen if this this sort of ideology has carried into kilroy eventually comes out well apparently he shot that before this yeah that was a shocker that's never a good sign that is never a good sign with a movie if it shoots and is in post-production for four years Uh Well, because I think he had distribution from Saban for this one, whereas Kilroy was something he just kind of went out and did with some unpaid film school students. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think I think that he might have not really had like a plan for that to release it. And now that like COVID hit, he's just going to make it a VOD thing. Um, but and we're excited but yeah, to watch I think it. this one got a got a quicker release just because he had like a sort of a company behind it yeah i'm looking at the cinematographer's credits for kilroy was here because i'm, I'm curious to know if he was an unpaid film student his last credit was shooting uh, bernie the dolphin 2 oh <laughs> so that sounds yeah. good let's watch that for the pod yeah very excited <laughs> to see what he did with kilroy was here <laughs> I'll say um, the the ending bit of this film that we got of uh, of Kevin Smith having his breakdown was was I think um, an an important you know character development uh, in our study of Kevin Smith because it did confirm basically what uh, we we've been able to assume for a while which is that uh, all of these films are just Kevin finding things to do <laughs> like none of them are yes. artistic projects you know it's you know he just wants to have something to do every day and he wants to get a little bit of money and uh that's it what like the end film is just like an accident it's whatever <laughs> the the point but he is feels to make the need movies. to he feels the need to pin it all on Jason Mewes as if Jason Mewes has just been begging him to make this movie for years and years. Like, And, and I, it's I like, fuck, like, fuck you, man. You clearly wanted to do this. Yeah, he talks about Every it Every chance you get it, 
At the end. Every chance you get, it's like, oh yeah, Muse was just nagging me and <laughs> nagging me to make this Jay and Silent Bob movie. And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Earlier today, I was watching um, an interview with Akira Kurosawa. And he was talking about, you know, a movie of his that was coming out and how he hoped it would be beautiful and how he's made all these beautiful films, but he still doesn't truly know what a movie is. He doesn't know what it's capable of, but he's trying to bring like the greatest possible experience to audiences. And then to see that and then a few hours later, watch Kevin Smith fucking ball his eyes out talking about how his characters are his toys in a box that he brings out to to play and how they're the only thing that he knows how to do and he just wants to make uh scenes that are like marvel and he wants his kids to be in his movies and that's about it he's kind of given up on everything else and it, uh, it's a jobs program it's a job all it is and it, it really put in stark contrast for me like the two very different paths of becoming a filmmaker <laughs> You mentioned Terrence Malick before, and I love how Terrence Malick is like the anti-Kevin in every way, because like Christopher Plummer has this great bit where he's like, you know, oh, I'll I'll be acting, but I'll never act for Terrence again because I'll be doing some acting and Terrence will just, you know, stop me and say, no, uh, turn the camera. There's some birds over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, no, he, he doesn't see anyone as a toy box. He's just literally there to vibe, uh-huh. right? And if you can't vibe, like, get off his set. Whereas, like, you know, the Kevin Smith method is like, everyone is my toy. Mm-hmm. Everything, like, every platform, even, like, even, like, the way they are uh, in public, right? Like, you don't see Terrence Malick. He's famously the most reclusive person alive like kevin smith you can't not see him right um, and i really like that dichotomy it's like a spectrum and every other filmmaker is between those two like polar ends i really like wonder like we don't we we, we don't really see any of kevin doing hands-on directing like we only see him like reacting to footage after it's been shot yes and i wonder about that like when they're watching the emotional uh scene between jay and his daughter and kevin is just effusively praising him and being like this is such a it's a beautiful scene it's so emotional jason you did so great and like I just I wonder what the like the the counterpart like what leads up to that like what was it like so how was I, like I how grand... was he how was he treating him <laughs> uh, to at the time and then like is he like overcompensating by like praising him so much like I I, I don't know there's like this mysteriousness to it where I'm just like it, like what happened there between this movie. Um, the stand-up set that we watched and the Snowball Effect Clerks documentary, I've like assembled a grand theory of uh, Kevin's directing because in the Clerks documentary, they, they talk about how he's like, you have to say the lines exactly yeah. as they're written, exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. And he's then, a perfectionist. Yeah. yeah, and then by the time you get to um, Cop Out, he's talking about how directing is the easiest movie in the world. Like all you do is watch TV all day. So I think what happened is once he started working with real actors who were like, dude, you can't just like tell us like we got, we're doing our own things. He sort of realized like, Oh, I'm not good at this. I got to just stop doing it instead of trying to get better, which totally fits into his whole sort of ethos when it comes to working on his movies. 
So I think at this point, he literally just is there to give the speeches and then look at the little TV after the shots are done and be like, yeah, that was good enough. And that's I don't know. I think it might be different with Muse, though. I feel like he gets uh, emotionally invested with Muse. Like there's I think, yeah, because he brought Muse up. Yeah, there's something very dark to me about him giving his like emotional apology speech to Jason. Like, is it isn't that like a common abuser tactic? You it know, totally like is. you like own up to like, yeah, look, I lose my temper sometimes and that was wrong of me and I need you to know that I love you and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't it just there's there's a, always been a very dark undercurrent between him and Muse. And I feel like there's a whole other narrative to the footage that we're not seeing in this documentary. Yeah. I kind of feel like this movie was a Kevin's Receipts, given that it was literally Kevin's <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. about. So I don't think we have one. Um, I, I, I didn't plan anything. No, this was, something. this was all Kevin talking about himself. So I, I couldn't indulge any more of that. Abdul, do you want to uh, drop any plugs before you head out? Yeah, actually. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Socialist Raptor. Uh, you can see a bunch of my writing there. I write, I do journalism in my free time, and there's a lot going on there. So. Uh, you know, wrote a bunch of pieces today um, that are now out on the sports strike and stuff like that. Uh, you can follow my uh, podcast I'm on hiatus from at Kino Lefter that Evan is doing a brilliant job of running, uh, you know, all on his own for now. Bless him. Only listen to the back episodes. Though. <laughs> yeah, only listen to the episodes that, that me and Laura are on. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do. Um, no, Evan's Evan's done amazing with it. And I'm, I'm really happy it's still going. Um and uh, uh, my first uh, studio feature is going to be out uh, at some point. No it's wrapping up post right now and just, you know, closing some distribution stuff I can't talk nice. about. Awesome. But oh, uh, wow. yeah, it, it'll either be on a large streaming service or um, in theaters when it's safe to be in theaters. But yeah, like you can awesome. check that out next year. Um, I'll preface this by saying. It's a it's a career starter, not a not a magnum opus by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it, but my dad would love it. Um, but yeah, like you can you can check that out. You know, there's other really cool TV and film stuff I've got on the go that I'm excited to talk about once NDAs expire. So yeah, um, that's sort of where you can follow me. Uh, it's you know it's a cool job, and yeah, like I said, if you guys ever do malcolm ingram's movies or uh or the dirties especially oh, oh yeah sure. um, you know we should do that, that they're all like fun. they're all on the list tail lights fade is a film that doesn't deserve a title that cool um <laughs> that's a sick title yeah and the movie is absolute dog shit uh but yeah no definitely check out the dirties because that is the that is the most interesting part i think of the of the kevin smith's modcast <laughs> universe and um as someone who was, you know, in and around the filming of Matt Johnson's second movie uh, at York University, there's there's a lot. There are receipts, actually. Oh, um, okay, well, we'll have to, to talk about. bring you yeah. back to get to get the dirt mm-hmm. on the dirties then. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll post the link nice, in, the, in the chat for you guys. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I have I have one quick thing to plug uh, on that. On a related Ooh. note, oh. uh, Evan from Kino Lefter uh, joined me recently on my channel on YouTube, Flower Garden, where we did a uh, live stream uh, review of the new Christopher Nolan mind 
bending, uh, you know, <laughs> a blockbuster for intellectuals uh, tenant. So you can go over there and watch us uh, chat about Tenet. Uh, we decided it was our duty as Canadians, since it's safer over here to venture into the theater and to relay the information to our American audiences about what the film is like. Uh, so yeah, go uh, go take a look at that uh, on the Flower Guardian YouTube channel. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Thank I really, I really had a blast. Goodbye, well, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Later. Bye. Bye.